Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Andy. And before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about RebateJet.com. What is RebateJet? Well, it's a piece of software that I created that will help Amazon sellers get their products noticed. You can launch with promo codes, rebates. Not only that, but you can list your product for free on the RebateJet third-party marketplace. You don't pay a single penny unless you make a sale. And when you do, it's only a $1 flat fee per product. Try it today, RebateJet.com. Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott with Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 137. We are super privileged, excited, ready to go with Taylor Offer. Taylor, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me today. How are you doing, everyone? It is awesome to have you here. Um, You know, Taylor, you have been my retail mentor for years now, and we've done a lot of great things together. And I'm just honored to have you on the Seller Roundtable here with Andy and I. And, um, you know, we're we're excited. You have an incredible story, but uh, we always start off the show by asking uh, you to give us a blood sample or whatever, you know, you as much or as little as you want <laughs> to tell us about, about you. Tell us about you, your background, where you're from, you know, all, all that good stuff as much or as little as you We like. require a, not only a blood test, but a negative COVID test as well. You, you have to have that to be on the Zoom <laughs> oh, don't call. Don't get started on COVID. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, oh, ooh, we can talk about that later. No. I can go all day with that, Taylor. We have all, yeah. I'll put my tinfoil hat on. We can talk all day. <laughs> Yeah, definitely for hours. That's the most spokeable, uh, spoken topic on earth right now, right? Anyways, uh, let's let's forget about COVID for at least for an hour, uh, if we can. We'll try our best to do so, but it's hard because it's like related to everything. But anyway, I'll start from the from the end, and I'll, then I'll go back to the beginning because I just I'm just trying to do it more interesting in terms of how I, how I present myself, and and you know, with the time being uh, a guest in in several podcasts. All of them were at the end of the day made by Amy because she was like, you know, introducing and doing the whole stuff for me. So as much as she's calling me a retail mentor, which I don't allow her, but she still calls me like that because I don't like the, the term mentor. I see her as, as, as a general mentor for me for so many things. So thank you for that in that chance, Amy. Um, so right now I'm working with a different uh, a bunch of retailers in the USA. Uh, mainly for the physical stores. I do also other channels as well. And I'm selling like various different brands. The majority of them are actually Amazon brands um, or e-commerce brands. Um, We will explain later how that happened. But going back to the beginning of, you know, speaking about myself, who really I am, uh, you know, I have this very strong memory. Um, I think it was, I don't know, well, quite a lot um, quite a, quite many years ago, when I was at about six years old or seven, something like that, and my father was doing like he was um, dealing with education in schools, he was running schools and stuff, and we've been living in a school that is like internal one where you know the the students are sleeping in the school, and we had volunteers coming from the USA, they were coming you know to to learn about the country and the culture and so forth. And all I knew that we have Americans in this, you know, school and the school was home for me because we were literally living inside school because again it's like you know a small village. Um, So anyway, my father comes one day and says you know it's almost summer vacation by now, 
And you have two options. Either you just spend your time doing nothing in the vacation and watching TV or, you know, hanging out with your friends. Or if you want, you can work and earn money. And I was like, oh, I want to work. I want to make money. And I was like six years old. And then he goes, you know, I thought about it. I think I'm going to open like a small kiosk, you know, a small store, like grocery store or whatever you call it. And we're going to sell some, you know, basic stuff to those American volunteers and to others as well. But mainly we're going to target them. Uh, what do you think about that? So I was like, yeah, dad, I want that. I want that to happen. So in like no time, he opened it in like a few weeks. And then on the first day that it was open, I was literally sitting there six years old, knowing zero English. And I was supposed to sell a lot of chocolates and, and Coke and Sprite and stuff like that to Americans. Now, I don't speak the language. I don't know what's happening. Not to mention that I don't know numbers. I mean, they, they could fool me all around. But, you know, these were different days, not like uh, unlike today. But anyway, that's where I started my, my business road as far as I see it. Because I was like learning English and I was learning how to sell and how to communicate. Plus, and that's the biggest, I think, thing like an uh, um, um, asset that I took from there is that I learned my English. Because if you if you roll forward in my life and I was in school and I was quite doing quite good, but the only thing I wasn't doing pretty much is going to English, uh, um, you know, English lessons. Because I thought like, okay, I know English. I don't need to learn that. And indeed, I mean, my English is, wow, not wow, but it's quite good enough, you know, to manage in my life. And it's funny because I never learned English in, in, in school, only in that store. Anyway, we were running that store for years and years. Yeah, so moving forward, uh, I did like the normal uh, road that we're doing back here in Israel. I live in Israel. I stay in Tel Aviv. That's my hometown. I was traveling around, I think, 12 years traveling plus living in different countries. I was living in China for seven years and Japan three years and Spain and the States and so forth. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was rolling um, somehow into retail because when I got to, to, to China and I was just coming, you know, for a few days just to, to find a factory that was 2003, I think. I was just searching for one factory for bags and then I ended up staying there for seven years. Because I was like, you know, I, I was looking at what I'm seeing and I was like, oh my God, everything is here. Like, this is, this is like, this is the gold. It's here. Uh, and where were you in it. China at the time? Where did you live in China? I was living in Guangzhou. I don't want to say bad words about Guangzhou, but I do have a lot of bad words. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's one of the roughest places to live in. It's really, really tough, especially back in those days. I mean, now it's a little bit more like Shanghai and Beijing. But back in those days, it was like, you know, I, I, it's hard to imagine because one million factories were existing only surrounding Guangzhou, not inside the city. And inside the city, you had a lot of, you know, pirate uh, uh, factories, unregistered and stuff. So think about it, how much pollution and how much mess in the city. Anyway, uh, I was uh, somehow engaging with, with a, a friend and he was working with big labels in the States. He was doing private label for Walmart and he was doing for uh, BCBG. He was also doing um, Darian Jeans who was still belonged to Beyonce. Um, so I was joining him and I started you know, to learn how you do the retail stuff because I knew about production because I was doing production even before that. When I was living in Japan, I was producing in other countries in Thailand and Korea and so forth. But then I had, you know, my big lesson of how, all right, you can produce, you can do everything uh, in terms of the production and, and, and supply chain. But what about the selling side? 
Um, so that's where and I some learned. people would say if you're if you don't sell, you're nothing, right? Because you can you can make products all day long, but if you can't sell them, then you're still stuck, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. I was coming actually from the sales part because what I was focusing on Japan was actually the sales, not the production. The production was a side issue. It wasn't even an issue, you know. Um, especially when I worked with uh, uh, Korea, it was much easier than, than the Chinese one. It was more expensive, but much easier. Anyway, so uh, I learned how to do the business with those retailers and I learned a lot. And then rolling to 2000, I think six, seven, more or less, I started my own private label uh, at the same time. And I was doing uh, electric items and I was selling them at uh, Canada and USA to Costco mainly. Um, and then rolling again to 2010, I got back to Israel with my wife, which uh, I got to meet in China. And she's literally living like, 15 minutes from my house here in Israel, but we met in China. It's funny. Like, <laughs> so anyway, I uh, just a side side note. I offered her uh, a week after we met. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I, I had at the same day we met, we sat down and, and we were talking for like five hours, I think. And I was at the end of that, I was like looking at her and, and saying like, you know, I have something to tell you, but I'm going to wait for a week until I say that. I don't know why I said that. But anyway, a week later, I uh, proposed her and, and yeah, so anyway, we got married. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a, month, a month after that, we were married in Israel. Anyway, uh, I got back to Israel and I thought, you know, I'm going to travel, obviously, back and forth to the States and to China because of my business and everything. And then I started to build a few other brands. Um, and during those about six, seven years between 2010 and 2017, I worked with approximately... I guess, 50 to 70 different retailers in the States, more or less. Uh, we're talking about Macy's and Target and Costco and uh, obviously Walmart a little bit. I don't like Walmart that much, but anyway, Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, you name it. Um, CVS, so anyway, you're a CVS vendor. Right, right. Staples, that happened really Office Max. <laughs> right. I've, seen your, I've seen your invoices. I cannot mention all of them, but right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, you, your, uh, your retail invoices make our Amazon sales look sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, sad. come on, come on. I, I'm, I'm jealous of you guys. I mean, you did the right step, obviously. But then, you know, I was I was looking at those, you know, Amazon things and e-commerce things when they all started back at I think 2008. Um, and I even had a dinner, and I had a good relationship with the MadeInChina.com owner. They were supposed to be the second Alibaba, but Alibaba went, you know, super, becoming a super high-end, not high-end, but a super successful uh, company while Made in China just went down and down. I don't know why, but anyway, Lawrence was the, one of the owners and I was in good relationship with him, but I couldn't, I couldn't get myself into, re, into the online thing because I was like all about retail because that, you know, you know how to say, when you do something and you want to do it good, you have to go deeper and deeper rather than just, you know, spreading all around and, you know, starting to do different things. And then you don't, there's no, like, no focus. Anyway, so 2017, my last brand that I did, which was wearable tech accessories was not really relevant anymore because like a lot of vendors came in and a lot of things happened. So I was like, all right, let's, let's, you know, let's just close it step by step. Everything is good. We'll see what happens. Uh, and I really was wondering what's going to happen next. Cause I have all these connections with the retailers and I want to use them, but I don't really want to produce because I also got tired from China. 
So luckily, a few Amazon sellers approached me, hearing about me from other friends, saying, hey, we, we have these beautiful products and we want to sell them in retail. And we know that retail is huge. So we don't know how to sell them and who to talk with and all this stuff. You have any, any, any idea about that? So I was like, yeah, mate, sure, why not? So I started to realize that there's a lot of potential with online sellers because when I was doing what I was doing and they were doing, you know, their own online platforms, it doesn't matter, Amazon or Shopify, whatever it is, they were learning the same thing that I was learning about supply chain. They know how to handle the Chinese. They know how to do branding, at least basic one. They know how to pack a product. They know how to defer it from what is in the market. They know the language. Like it's the, it was the same language that I was speaking and I had no one to talk with about with that language until all the Amazon seller came. And in 2018, I was starting to expose myself to more sellers and I was like, oh my God, wow, there are so many of them out there. I didn't have any idea about it. You know, I, wasn't, of them. I, wasn't, yeah, I mean, I, I never thought about it. Like, what do I have with, to do with Amazon? And apparently a lot of brands, I just took them and started to see how I helped them to become a retail ready brand because we'll talk about retail ready, but just in general, in short, if you want to sell your products, you have to be retail ready. If you're not retail ready, they're going to smell, oh, this is an online vendor. And they're afraid, when I say they, I mean the retailers, okay? Buyers, whatever title you choose, buyer assistant, it doesn't matter. There's like general merchandise officers and many different titles. But anyway, what they, they try to smell in the very first place when you approach them is what, what exactly is this company doing? Okay, they are showing us nice products. They look good. But then do they understand what it takes to be in retail? And that's, you know, something that I felt strongly. And it's funny because last week I got an email from Sam Club and I presented them a line and I was moving from buyer to buyer because I didn't have contact with a certain category. I needed a kitchen category. And when I ended up finding the right person, she was like, the first question, she was like, hi, uh, can you tell me who are you working with only in the brick and mortar? And she was like bolding that. And then she was putting on this side note, not on Amazon. Like, I don't care what you do on Amazon. Show me what you do in the brick and mortar. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I'm talking about for years. This is exactly, and she, she nailed it in one sentence. She was a little bit rude, but I forgive her as long as she's giving me business. <laughs> uh, so, um, so I think that's what we have to focus on today is, you know, it's, it's all culminated to this is, you know, you have this language that we online sellers, for the most part, don't speak unless you teach us, right? But the, the retail brick and mortar um, wholesale, sell your products wholesale language is different than the language we speak on online, right? And, and the business model is slightly different as well, because the pricing is different. The logistics are different. Um, but as you mentioned, the production's mostly the same. So um, I think that we should talk about what are those key differences. So in terms of, um, you know, if I'm selling online and I want to move my products to other channels, and, and I'm, my next question is, what are those other channels? But if I want to move off of Amazon besides Shopify, right? And we're talking about all the dot-coms, we're talking about subscription boxes, we're talking about brick and mortar channels, we're talking about all of retail that isn't Amazon, which is like 90%, right? Not Amazon and not dot-coms. So, you know, if I want to do that, what are the, the key things that 
people need to be focused on at a high level? All right. So the way, thank you for the question. So the way I see it, and again, I'm not taking myself as a mentor or anything like that. And by the way, I'm trying not to do coaching or to teach anyone because I find that as a service, it's much easier for both sides. So six points is what I see as something that you need to consider and to look at when you go to retail. It doesn't really matter if you go with me or with someone else or by your own, it doesn't really matter. And I encourage people to do so. And those six points are points that I, you know, it's the way I see it from my experience, but most points, not most, but all of them are being spoken all the time in the retail space. So the first thing, the first topic you will have to look at is branding. And I divide branding to mainly two things. Number one is your website. And number two is your catalog. Now, the majority of us do not have any catalog. So then you say, okay, catalog, no big deal. I'll, I'll create a catalog. But then there are you know, certain principles that you want to have in that catalog. Now, it's very hard to find. I didn't manage to find until now uh, an example of how a retail catalog looks like. And I was looking like insane for that online because I thought, let me try to refer to this as if I was an online seller and I don't know what is retail. I wanted to see how it looks from the other side. So I was looking for the basics, right? For a retail catalog, go show me an example. Let me find an example, how that catalog looks like and I'll do something creative but I'll ex- at least know what I should head towards, right? Um, and I couldn't find, I couldn't find, I was doing a lot of different tests. I was trying to trigger and find like, you know, private label, good companies, very small one, micro brands, not huge, so that I can maybe, you know, trace their catalog somehow, nada, nothing. It's all happening, you know, under the ground. That's how it is. It's insane. Anyway, uh, it's not, it's not a Bible. It's not, you know, something huge, but there are principles you need to know both about the website and the catalog. We'll get to that later if you want, but then moving forward to the other four points, then you have the brief. And the brief is a term that I'm using for years to describe how do I describe my brand. Now, I don't want to come up and say, for instance, if Amy is my buyer and she's working at, let's say, Williams-Sonoma, I don't want to write her an email. Hey, Amy, how are you doing? Can you check my, what do you think about those products that I have here? Do you like them? You want samples? No, it doesn't work like that. You have to talk at some kind of, you know, you have to give some kind of presentation. And you want to give it not about, you know, not about the products. You want to give it about the brand. You want to explain in a very short sentence that this is a brand, like a micro brand, rather than just another company selling products, importing and selling. Okay. And we all know the difference. The difference is branding. The difference is, you know, the mindset. The difference is that you don't buy from the Chinese companies, factories, whatever, a product and wrap it in, in a shrink and just put it on your uh, warehouse in the States, you're doing something different. That's why we have this amazing term that I love called uh, rise of the micro brands. Cause most of the people who's selling on Amazon or, or, or online in general are, are actually part of the rise of the micro brands. So yeah, the brief is, is another thing. Number four, we have to look at the packaging. When you walk into a store, doesn't really matter what store, Bloomingdale or Urban Outfitter, you look at the product, some of them are naked on the shelf, that's right, but most of them, in most cases, they're going to be packed in a package. Now, if you're selling on online and you have whatever, poly bag in your warehouse for your product, it's fine because nobody nobody knows and nobody cares as long as they get the product, 
when they get it, they already know what they're getting. That's what I'm saying. Well, when you walk into the store and you look at the product, and if you see a box like that, normally you wouldn't know what's inside, right? If there's no picture of the product here, for instance, you wouldn't know what it is. And even if there is a picture, it has to be a very certain picture for a person to understand in a second what is inside. So the thing and is- most that, Amazon sellers just have um, like a brown box or a right. white box, or it's very, it's, it's not something that you could just put on the shelf. And a lot of times it's meant just to protect the product and shipping. And right. so that's, that is a big consideration, right? Right, exactly. So that's the packaging part. Again, we can go into details, but I want to go through the six points in general for, for, for the time being. Uh, and the, the other two points are actually kind of going together. So number one, uh, number five, I'm sorry, is the research. Like if I look at, at, at the product that I want to sell, at the brand, okay, and I'm seeing your brand, Isaac, Jessica, Scott, Carmel, Christine, Vladimir, I'm looking at your brand and I'm thinking, okay, I want to sell it. I know that it's good for retail. Now, how do I know what's happening in the retail space before I start selling it? I have to make a research. Now I have to know who's my competitors. That's number one. And number two, I want to know the competitors from the offline physical stores area, not from the online, because these are two different platforms. I mean, I mean, yeah, when, when TJ Maxx is buying goods, they are buying it on one in one team, in one purchasing team for both online and offline. But they are kind of unique because if you look at Macy's, they have separated teams for the online and offline. And same goes for the most to most of the retailers. They're trying to separate. I mean, they do buy for both platforms the same products, but not exactly. There are, yeah, difference. Uh, so that's the research we are looking for. We want to know what is our competitor are doing in the offline side. And that goes to the second, uh, to the sixth point, which is the last one, which is pricing. We want to know how to price our goods. Now, Amy knows pretty well about pricing, like normally MSRP, which is the retail price, the price you have on Amazon, uh, uh, is something around double than the wholesale price. Meaning if you're selling a product for $50 uh, MSRP, $50 to the consumer on your Amazon listing, then we start to calculate from $25 as a wholesale price. Okay, we start to calculate that. It depends on what, with what retailer we're talking with. So for instance, uh, just for the, for the example, TJ Maxx are paying 25 off MSRP up to 30, 30, uh, um, 30%, okay? 30% out of $50, you're you you're gonna get it in somewhere into 15, around 14, $15. Now, if your cost landed in USA, for instance, is $18, then you have no chance to work with TJ, right? You're not gonna lose money. Anyway, if you look at Macy's, they're working 50%. So you're gonna get 25% for a 50, $50 uh, uh, sorry, $25 for a $50 product. And if you're looking at Neiman Marcus, for instance, they work somewhere between uh, 35, the lowest, up to 60% IMU, which is uh, um, initial markup. That's how they mark up the product. So at the end of the day, you're going to sell it for around 40 to 50% uh, more or less uh, of your MSRP. Again, it's differing. It's it's different from, from retailer to retailer. Bed Bath & Beyond are doing it simple. They just work half MSRP. What I'm trying to say is that when you when you come to the table to them, you want to know the price up front. You don't want to give them price that would be far from what you can get or far from what they would pay, right? You want to be 
somewhere almost into the target as higher as you can, as high as you can. So anyway, that goes with the research because if I know how the pricing goes and looks like, should look like, I have to look at the, at the, at the research as well because if I find in the research that someone is selling much lower than me and I know more or less what's his wholesale price and I'm trying to, to offer it for like 20% more, then what am I doing here? If I have something special, that's different. If I have a patent product or something super well designed, okay, it's different. But if I have more or less the same thing, I have to think, you know, strategic wise, I have to think about the right pricing and not to lose the buyer or the other side. So those are the six points. My, my answer so, was quite <laughs> I love it. That's, that's great six points to consider. Um, so we got to have the right website. We got to have the right catalog. We need to have a brief or an understanding of how we present ourselves to buyers. We got to have packaging that is retail ready. And we need to do the research of our, how our competitors' products look in that store because we're not going to pitch a buyer without understanding how we can fit in their store. And we got to understand the pricing because we're going to need to give them a quote and we don't want to be losing money. So we've got to, we got to look at it so that we can price it to where we're making money, but we're also offering something competitive for them. If we're selling Bluetooth speakers and there's already a Bluetooth speaker on the market that's taking up most, most of their shelf space and we're not doing anything special, we're stuck, right? So um, that's that's really we gotta we gotta have somewhere where we can edge ourselves in, and that's why after all that we gotta do the research and the right pricing. So love that. What about retail channels? Let's talk about. I think so many people just assume. You know, you mentioned you worked with CVS, Costco, Neiman Marcus, Macy's, all of the all the brick and mortar channels. But what I've learned from you um, is that there are so many cool channels you can sell in, like Ipsy, for example, a subscription box that you introduced me to that has like 3 million subscribers and their minimum order quantity is like 50,000 units. I don't think that people even realize um, what this could do for their brand. Imagine getting an order and I've seen, like I said, I've seen your invoices. So imagine getting an order of over a hundred thousand dollars that comes straight from your supplier or comes straight from your warehouse in the U S if you're working with a smaller retailer. Um, that's, it's just, it's really good, but let's talk about all the different channels. What are some of your favorite channels to, to sell it? Okay. So yes, as you, as you, just explained like subscription box is a channel and it's a huge channel we have to keep in mind that the retail space in general all of those special channels or normal channels whatever you call them apart from the online there are more than 80 percent of the market the retail market in the states in the usa okay and i'm looking only in the usa because obviously that's my market and, and that's it's huge because if you're selling you know to 10 15 percent of the market and you're doing good what would happen if you multiply that by six seven eight all right so anyway uh yes subscription boxes are something very good because they have subscribers and for those who are not sure what is subscription box it's just companies that are sending monthly or dual weekly a box of gifts inside a box to like hundreds and thousands and millions of sub subscribers okay on the top of them you have ipsy and you have all true and you have glossy box and, and and literally i'm working with the top five or six i think uh, and um, what they do is they have those subscribers and they're selling them gifts and that is based off demographic 
like it's not just you know if you amy would be signed to let's say ipsy and they would think that you are i don't know at that age at that gender at that you know certain type of person uh they would send you the wrong stuff so they're doing their homework and they know exactly how to catch what you like so there's a whole scene about it and if you open youtube and you click unboxing subscription only those two terms you would see tons of millions of videos with billions of uh, uh views because it's it's a big thing in in, in the states at least and i i'm seeing that it's coming up in other countries as well um I just had this email. I just was looking at it as you spoke about quantities. I can show screen um, just to give you a quick idea. This is an email from Lindsay. She's from Old True. It's a very nice subscription box. She's describing what's happening on 20, 2022. This is from uh, January 3rd. It's from yesterday. Um, parts are opportunity. So they have between 20,000 to 100,000 units as a one opportunity and then they have the deliveries whatever in two three months you don't have to deliver it tomorrow obviously they give you time to prepare to produce whatever you need budget and everything how it works again um they give you like typically they would give you one po for one date and, and they divide it like as a blanket order for six seven or sometimes even eight different dates but at the end of the day again it's between 20,000 and 100,000 uh, units typically with this company. With other companies, it's even more. I've seen much more than that in terms of quantities, but that's one channel. Another channel is the dot-com. Like if you look at the top 10 dot-com channels in the States, obviously you're selling it in, in the number one, amazon.com, but then you have Walmart, which again, Walmart is not my field. I have to say that. I mean, it's there's a lot of, you know, uh, are very talented people who's doing specifically with Walmart. That's not, I'm not the address for that. I can work without Walmart online. It's not a problem for me because I know the offline buyers, but that's not something that I. Uh, um, well, and do. on walmart.com, it's it's just like Amazon. It's third party fulfillment where your other dot coms like Lowe's.com, Home Depot.com, uh, a lot of those channels, Macy's.com, you're selling your products wholesale to a buyer it's they're still doing the the old-fashioned uh well i don't want to say old-fashioned but the the traditional uh brick and mortar side of things for the most part and some of them are moving over i know like recently home depot and lowe's moved to that third-party fulfillment as well but exactly. for the most part the top what 50 retailers in the u.s top 50 brick and mortar retailers also have websites right and they buy and they and they ship as exactly as you mentioned and again, yes, Home Depot is now doing the third-party seller thing and also um, uh, Macy's, they also have that thing. Uh, TJ Maxx, no, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Home Goods. I think even Tuesday morning, I don't recall for sure, but most of these, you know, low-end, I would say low-end price or discounters, they would not do that. They would just buy from you and sell it on their own channel, the dot-com and, and the offline as well. So this is like another block. Um, another, another thing you have is like, media and TV. I'm, I'm saying media because there's different opportunities in the market, but if I focus on the TV, which is the main thing, uh, there are TV segments, and I'm not talking about, you know, uh, um, those channels where they sell you 24-7 products. I'm talking about different stuff. For instance, there's a show, and Amy know about that show, because I'm talking about it a lot, because I've been doing fun with them. <laughs> uh, there's a show called um, Good Morning America, an ABC channel in the States, quite known by Tori Johnson. 
Uh, I happen to know her assistant, we're in, in a good relationship. So I'm showing her products from time to time. And inside this uh, um, show, which is, I think, I think it's going to somewhere around the crowd, yeah, is something around 150 to 170 million in the States, which is quite, you know, huge uh, in terms of how many people is gonna, are going to see your products. And anyway, in that uh, Good Morning America, there's like a segment called Deals and Steals. There's another segment called The View. And there's a third one, I don't recall the name, but anyway, showing your products in those, in those segments is gonna bring you crazy traffic and you're gonna sell products in like crazy numbers in no time, okay? It's and QVC like, as well, right? It's another, yeah, you have QVC, so you have Any kind of like TV selling. Right, right. QVC, HSN, there's a lot of them, but I'm just talking about those that I constantly work with, okay? I used to work with QVC. I lost contact from some reason with them, but then, yeah, with the Good Morning America, it's still going on, it's going good. Um, so this is another uh, uh, channel. Obviously, there's also the traditional channel, which we spoke about quite a lot again, Amy and me, which is the moms and pop stores. When you say moms and pop stores, um, some people call it specialty stores in the States. You're referring to a standalone store, like a family store, you know, that's why they call it moms and pops. Like mommy and daddy has a store, they go in the morning, they open the store, they sell toys, they sell gifts, they sell whatever. It's a cute store. It's not a chain store. You're not talking, you know, to something huge. But the good thing about those, those stores that if you collect whatever, 100, 200, 300, 400 of them, and each and one of them is ordering typically between $500 to $3,000 a month, because that's normally what you know they can scale with, then you have a nice business with them. And the good thing about them is that they have different payment terms. Payment terms, I guess, is another question Amy is going to ask me at some point. So... Anyway, <clears throat> they're paying they're paying cash before delivery. Okay, cash before delivery means you can charge their credit card or bank wire, whatever it is, but they pay before they get the goods, and that's normal in terms of moms and pop stores. Unlike the retailers, and they also pay for shipping, which is and, nice. So like they they're paying pay you for, for your product wholesale price, plus they're paying you for shipping, and they're paying you up front. So all you're doing is delivering a pallet of goods to them right. or a couple of cases of products to them. And that's, it's just, it's wonderful to work with them because it's a very easy deal. You can get on the phone, you can call them up. Hey, you know, I've exactly. got a great product for you. Send them a catalog, get an order that same day, ship it out and they pay for shipping. So it's, it's a great versus like a big box retailer where you're going to, there's a different payment terms. There's sometimes you have to wait for that payment. Sometimes there's different contracts everything's negotiable as I've learned um, from Talor, but, uh, but no matter what, I mean, there's, I looked just in my region, in the South region for pet stores and stores that sell independent retailers that sell um, pet supplies. And there was over 10,000 just in my region. So if I just go for, if I cast a net just for 10% of those stores, right, you know, that's a significant income. If I can you know, multiply, like you said, you have yourself a nice little business if you're, if you're supplying a few of these stores on a regular basis. Um, so I love that. Okay, so we've got subscription boxes, we've got other dot coms, we've got um, mom and pops. And then of course, we have um, chains and big box, right? right. Um, anything else you want to say about channels before I mean, there, are, there are more channels but i just try to focus on on the interesting one there's also flash 
sites that you can do a nice business with and some other, you know, local wholesalers. And it depends what you're selling because I'm seeing people- Distributors, right? right. Distributors. Yeah, I, you know, I know funny, some- I'm, yeah, sorry, I, I'm, I'm starting, uh, I started to sell um, a brand which is like, you know, selling quite basic stuff, you know, shampoo and, and stuff like that for the shower and, and face treatment and stuff. And all of a sudden, I don't know from where, someone from my team came up with selling to Herods. And I was like, what do I have to do with Herods? They don't buy such things. But it turned out that they do, okay? So you have to think, what I do think is trying to encourage people to think wider. Don't just think about, you know, only Amazon or only retail or only both or whatever it is. Open your mind. There are so many different businesses that might be good for your product. Sometimes you even miss that. You don't even think about it. And I'm, 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 you know, I'm struggling with the same thing. I'm like standing with my brands out there and thinking like, where else could I sell? What did I not think about until now? And I always find that there are more opportunities in channels, selling schools, selling kindergartens, selling like, you know, there's so many options with different products out there in the market. So just open your mind. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.